Week one is in the books as New York looks forward to a week two cross-country trip with the LA Galaxy in Los Angeles. Our Spanish radio voice, Stefano Fasaro, joins me to break down the sporting Kansas City loss and what to maybe expect this coming Sunday. This is Matt Harmon from the Red Bull Radio Network, and this is Red Bulls Weekly. for week number two of the MLS season here in 2021. This is our Red Bulls weekly podcast. Do it each and every week. Uh, last week, Steve Jolly and I talking with Andrew Goodman. Today, good to have on the show and the program, Stefano Fasaro, who is, of course, our Spanish radio voice. Steph, you know, I, I really enjoyed um, your social media hits from the other day. Everything from, you know, welcome to the new office to what fans like to do before the game. Um, all, all that little bit of stuff, you know, before we even talk about what was obviously a, a disappointing loss in the opener to Sporting Kansas City, um, just, just your experience of being able to walk into Red Bull Arena and have that be your new home for the season. I mean, it's great. I mean, we, we know that, you know, I'm not just saying this because it's the team that I work for, right? I mean, I, I think it's truly one of the best uh, best venues in MLS, and, and it's something to – to have the, the fans in there again, albeit at a limited capacity, was just such a good feeling. When when Caden did score that goal, just hearing that, that scream from the fans, hearing the big celebration, it was just so good to have just because it's been so long, right, since we've been able to really enjoy fans uh, and that atmosphere that can be created at Rebel Arena. So I just thought it was a great experience, great first time being there, uh, uh, working a game. And, you know, I, I really just am looking forward to continuing to have – more and more fans to create that atmosphere and really see Red Bull Arena for what it's it really is, right? Which one is like we said, one of the best venues in MLS by you yeah. know by far. Yeah, we'll we'll dig into the to the game a little bit more. But you know, the, the last time that um, uh, you and I had had spoke with Steve Jolly when we kind of introduced you to the to the fan base here, I don't think even even myself, I wasn't aware of all the little components that yourself, the team and the organization trying to, you know, in essence, gear up the Spanish content of things. Talk a little bit, if you can, just about, you know, where things are heading other than the game coverage in and of itself, which starts a half hour before each and every game. You've got the pregame show on on Red Bulls radio. Um, and, And dare I say, I mean, I've been trying to hit that like Google translate button so many times on the on the new Red, Red Bulls Twitter site. But, I mean, that's that's something that is is all about fan engagement. It really is because, I mean, we got to remember, we're in one of the most diverse markets. I mean, forget just the country, in the world, right? I mean, and, and we have so many fans of the Red Bulls uh, that, are, that are either Spanish-speaking first or they come from Spanish-speaking families and they, they grew up watching soccer uh, from their home countries or from their parents' home countries. And, and, you know, they're kind of used to listening to soccer and listening to the broadcast and, and to that sport in Spanish. So I think it's really important that we kind of engage with those fans, you know, and, and make sure that we're serving them. I mean, right, we're we're here to kind of serve the fans as best as we possibly can to give them, you know, all of the coverage the way that they feel the most comfortable. And I think that we would be doing a disservice if we didn't really push 
uh, the Spanish side of our content. Um, and I think that we're really trying to do a, a multi-platform project where, you know, I will be writing some articles in Spanish, some in English, but I'll be doing some articles in Spanish and we're doing the podcast two times a month in Spanish as well. For the first podcast last week, we had Hercules Gomez on, a former U.S. men's national team player who also worked for ESPN. And, you know, we had him on and he really discussed what his thoughts were on the Eastern Conference and on the Red Bulls. And, you know, we really just believe that we need to be proactive on both ends of the spectrum when it comes to content, both English and Spanish, because we got to serve such a wide fan base that we have here uh, in the New York, New Jersey area. I mean, clearly the, the thrill of broadcasting the game is second to none. That That's, I, I think you and I would both agree on that standpoint yes. from a play-by-play side of things. But, I mean, now you have the pleasure of, I think, for most home games, you've got Naive in the, in the booth with you. I mean, what a, he's, he's about the nicest guy I've ever met. That's number one. And number two, it, it seems like you guys have already developed a really nice bond between the two of you. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, for 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 the you know listeners that don't know who Naive is, Naive is uh, basically a, a, a do everything for this club. I mean, when it comes to the content side, he he really does uh, cover a lot of uh, cover a lot of bases that we need to do to be able to provide the content that we need, both on social and digital. And it turns out that he is kind of a natural when it comes to uh, broadcasting games and being my color commentator. And he has been we've developed a really quick chemistry. We really have a uh, a very interesting dynamic right off the bat it was almost kind of effortless and I feel like that's great uh, especially how little effort it took I think that that really kind of resonates on our broadcast because bounce off each other real well and I think if you know everyone who listens to the broadcast in Spanish uh, will really like kind of just the back and forth that we have and we really believe in just giving that energy and look when we're broadcasting those games like you said there's nothing like that right there's nothing about the thrill like the thrill of broadcasting a game the energy just gets to us and we get involved and we get emotional and we get into it. And I think that that's where, you know, listeners will really appreciate that. That we're just as invested as they are uh, while we're watching these games. And, and we're, hey, we work for the team. We're, we are rooting for the team. I mean, we want them to win and we're going to try to to give that energy across to, to all the listeners as much as we possibly can. RBNY Espanol. That's the new Twitter site that is yep. uh, up and going. It's at RBNY underscore Yes, that is the Spanish side of things for the Twitter. Uh, you can hear both Steph and I do all the games on Red Bulls Radio by going to the New York Red Bulls website or the New York Red Bulls app. All right, Steph, let's dig into it, right? I mean, a 2-1 two two game, it's, it's, it's clearly not the way that anybody would have wanted to get the season started. And, and I would say, in, you know, Steve and I talked about this all during the course of the broadcast. It seemed like for good chunks of the game, it was two teams that – you could, you could tell in what's been a crazy year, had some limited preseason time and spent a good chunk of that first half, almost like figuring it out again a little bit. Yeah, yeah definitely. I, I think you kind of saw a little bit of the sloppiness a little bit, you know, where the rust a little bit, especially in the midfield, I think that we saw from both teams, right, uh, where possession was not easy to come by, just kind of hold possession on both sides was not very easy for either team, especially in that first half. And, you know, when, when it comes to what happened in the second half of the Red Bulls, I, you know, it's kind of similar what I thought happened against D.C. United in the sense where they kind of just had some moments where they just kind of fell asleep a little bit on the defensive end. And, and that's kind of what happened against Kansas City. You know, obviously the misfortune of the Andrew Goodman handball, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But I think it was just five or six minutes in that second half that they really just kind of fell asleep just a little bit. And that was just enough for Sporting Kansas City to take advantage. 
but for the most part, I felt like, you know, they're going to start to figure it out little by little. And I think you started to see that happen as the game progressed. And I think we're going to start seeing that as the games progress moving forward. You know, the, the fun part about it, at least walking into it in, in game one and, and, and having been with the team for so long, quite honestly, walking in and really having no idea what the lineup was going to be for the for the first time. You, you, you kind of based it off of what we had seen the week before against D.C. United. And then the and then the 11 came out and I was like, whoa, what? You know, I, I, there, yeah. there were changes in there that I was not anticipating. And then as the game developed, saw some more stuff that took place. Um, and, and I think as, as we look ahead a little bit to what game two could be against uh, the Galaxy in Los Angeles, I think one of the biggest questions, not sure if you agree or not, is how many changes Gerhard Struber makes from week one? Did he see enough for some guys? Did he not see enough for others? Is this a week that he's going to want other guys to get an opportunity? Because the, the roster is so deep from top to bottom, th- th- there's questions that I don't think we've even started to scratch the surface of. No question. And I feel like we also, when we spoke to, uh, to, to Gerhard, um, you know, before the game last week, you know, he kind of did mention that, you know, it is going to kind of be a week to week basis, depending on the opponent. He has the depth uh, on the roster to be able to do that, to be able to kind of pick and choose where he want to think, especially in the midfield. Right. I mean, they have so many midfield players that he's able to kind of go, you know, game to game, see the matchup and see who is going to be in there. Um, and, and yeah, that is always, always going to be a very, you know, kind of, when we're walking into the arena and we don't exactly know the lineup, it's a little bit nerve wracking from us as a broadcasting standpoint, but also for the fans, you know, we're trying to kind of bring, bring them the best knowledge that we have. But when there's so many options and Gerhard has all these options to, to be able to put different lineups, different formations on the field, it, it does make it a little more, you know, a guessing game for us. But at the same time, he has those options and it's all positive, right? Because he's able to kind of, Move the team the way he wants to, depending on who he's playing and who he sees, uh, what how they how he thinks his opponents are going to play in that game moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I I think from a perspective of some of the some of the surprises, you know, all, all the talk during the course of the of the preseason was essentially handing the role of that number ten spot to Caden Clark, but Clark almost became more of those two number eights in the diamond, and it was Christian Caceres who was pushed up a little bit higher. I think those are the things that are intriguing to me. Um, was that almost a audition for Christian Costers to see, can you be that number 10 and maybe have Clark in a little bit of a deeper role and maybe in, in a way, Steph, free him up with some more space to operate instead of everyone knowing, hey, Caden Clark's the 10. We're going to try and sandwich him together with, with a six and maybe one of the two center backs. And I think that the Kansas City actually did have success doing that to Caden, even when he wasn't in that ten role. I think they kind of did uh, suffocate him a little bit, make it you know make it difficult for him to to find that space to be able to create and make the plays that he wanted to. Obviously, he had an amazing goal, a beautiful goal. Uh, it was also very opportune. It kind of came to him, and his quick reactions, which we've seen from him so many times, is kind of what what caused that goal. What what, hap- what made it happen, right? I mean, just him having that having that split-second reaction to be able to put his leg up and put it into the top corner. Now, we're talking about, you know, Caden in the midfield. What I thought, and, and, you know, I don't know how you felt about it, but what I thought, what I was most impressed by, because it was one of the changes that we didn't expect going into the game, was Yuba. I think Yuba Diara was, when he was on the field, before he got that yellow card that obviously probably forced that early substitution in the second half, I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch. I thought he was one of the best players for the Red Bulls. I think he was controlling the midfield, more playing more of a, of a you know, 
of a Sean Davis defensive midfielder type role, and Sean Davis kind of moved a little bit more forward and played as a, as an eight next to Caden or, or Christian. Uh, I thought Yuba really showed out. I think he is very calm on the ball. I think he is also an enforcer. He's a guy who's going to put his leg in pretty hard, and I was very really impressed with him. And I do think that he, you know, depending on whether he can not always, you know, he has two yellow cards in well, the first game of the season. He had the yellow card in DC United game preseason game. He also had a yellow card. So if he can keep, you know, keep without getting yellow carded, I think in a game, I think is going to help him be on the field. But I think that as far as from a ability and talent standpoint, he really showed out and showed that he belongs in that spot, at least for the short term. Yeah, I mean, to your point, that was kind of one of the, the key moments of the postgame press conference with Gerhard Struber saying when Diara came out, uh, one because of the yellow card. And, and to be fair, I'm not sure that he's 90 minute fit right. yet either. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it changed the complexion and it changed kind of the idea of the game. I, I would say this. I mean, I, I think a promising start for him. Um, I, I thought one of the substitutions that I was most intrigued by was to see Wiki Carmona come into the game. I, I didn't think we, were, we would see that at all because we didn't see him um, the week before. And here he got a here he got a young kid just getting used to being in the country, um, and and he gets his first professional minutes. Maybe you know Gerhard Struber thinking, can I can I find that lightning in a bottle type thing? Right. Can we create? Can we have a different uh, dimension of things moving forward? And you know, for for what it was, I thought Carmona did a good job coming in and getting some minutes as well. Yeah, I, I think so too. He. Um... He did show out, too. I think he had some moments where you see his talent. He definitely has a lot of talent and maybe a little bit raw to this point. And, you know, like, as you said, he's still kind of getting used to the country. I mean, I mean, you know, when you're trying, when you're moving, I've moved across the country for jobs before, and it's difficult enough. You're moving to a brand new country where you barely speak the language. Yeah, it's going to be difficult to kind of adjust. Uh, but he kind of showed that you know when he's on the when he's on the field when he's on the pitch he this is that's where he feels most most at home and I think he had some moments where you can build on moving forward and and, and you know it also helps a lot having Christian Casanis there as well his uh, Venezuelan counterpart and I think that, that that helps him and has helped him get used to the whole uh, the whole situation that he's in uh, but look I mean you, he has the options on the bench like we mentioned Struber has those options and you you got to play them because you got to see what are the best combinations and since we didn't have a full preseason and had so many games canceled you know unfortunately some of these regular season games are still going to be part of figuring things out and getting guys on the field and seeing what combinations work the best in the midfield you know from a, and I was actually going to ask you this and you kind of answered it um, if you're a Carmona, it was funny. You said you've moved across the country a couple of times to be in different spots for different jobs for a guy like Carmona. And, and maybe for some of the Spanish speaking players that you've, you've encountered in your time dealing with soccer. I mean, I have talked about it in, in prior years. Um, when a Mark Shotkowski came into the team, he already had a Danny Royer that he was able to connect with and be around um, Matias Jorgensen, David Jensen, that was a combination that kind of played off of each other a little bit last year. For Carmona, how important is it for a young kid like that to have, and it's crazy to say veteran now for Christian Koster, yeah. he's become an older player in the Red Bull system, um, to, to have guys that maybe you can turn to, not just from your, your, your speaking side of things on the Spanish side, but also a guy that's from your same country as well. There's no, I mean, there's no question that that is a huge benefit to him. Um, look, I've had, I've spoken to plenty of Argentinian players over the, in the past that have, you know, arrived somewhere where there's no 
no other South American presence. And it's a very difficult transition because you have no one that you can relate to that you grew up the same way. I mean, Wiki and Christian are, you know, a couple of years apart. Like you said, he's a, you know, Christian's a veteran, but in reality, he's still a very young player and, and Wiki even younger. So they do have, it's that instant connection that they don't have to kind of think too much where they, they understand each other from a personal standpoint, from a soccer standpoint, just overall. And I think that that makes a transition. I mean, I would say, you know, 90% easier just to have that, that person that you can, you know, you can rely on Um, going a little bit off topic here, but like I I covered a lot of baseball in the past and I spoke to a lot of uh, defect uh, players that defected from Cuba and players that that coming from all over South, uh, South and Central America. And, you know, with that in baseball, it's a little easier because you have so many Hispanic players, Uh, you know, obviously in soccer you do as well, but that the, the difference of having not having anybody in the locker room that you can relate to, not just in a language standpoint, but just in a personality standpoint, it makes a, a complete difference. So that's going to be huge for Wiki to have Christian, somebody who's played in this league, who understands it, who has lived in this country now for a little bit or a little while, uh, and, and help make that transition just a little bit smoother. Red Bulls Weekly here, our weekly podcast series on the English side of things. Stefano Fasaro, Matt Harmon, uh, your host for today's episode. Steph, let's look ahead a little bit. I'm sure you spent part of your day on Sunday watching, um, I'll say, one of your old homes, right, with with yeah. Miami playing host to the L.A. Galaxy. It turned out to be an extremely fun game to watch. And um, ironically enough, former Red Bull Sasha Kleshton, he had the game winner um, in that second half. Was the atmosphere kind of what you thought it would be? Just yeah, watch. actually, it, yeah, actually, we had um, we I had a bunch of friends that were there uh, at the game, so I was getting not only the stuff from social, not only the stuff from the TV, but I was getting a bunch of stuff, you know, through my on my phone through text messages of friends of mine just kind of enjoying the atmosphere. Um, you know, maybe a little more packed than we would have expected, just because of everything going on. But at the same time, it, it was it was beautiful to see uh, a, a fan base in the inner Miami that's just been craving this and wanting this for so long um, and playing against the galaxy team that look rejuvenated um, it's definitely a different team under Vanny under Greg Vanny they're a new coach um, versus what they were under uh, Guillermo Barros Escaloto last season um, I think it's definitely a different team and like you mentioned you know you had you had guys on the field that know they know what they're doing they have they have played in this league before and then you had Chicharito who I think uh, if, if we watched that post-game interview with Chicharito on ABC, uh, you really didn't see a guy, I think, that is motivated and more motivated than ever. And I think the Red Bulls are going to have to deal with that. Both of his goals in this game, uh, obviously superstar, former Manchester United, former Real Madrid player, uh, he has – his goals in that game were vintage Chicharito, right? Quick reactions around the goal, you know, getting around the defender, one touch, boom, into the goal – uh, the other one was just off a rebound. He has scored so many goals like that. I always called him, even though, you know, the stature isn't exactly the same, but I always called him kind of like a an opportune center in basketball who's just always there for the tip-in, always there right in front of goal in the, in the right spot. And I think that that's what we saw. And I think that if, if that's the guy who's he's going to be this season, it's going to be a, a tough, tough, uh, tough matchup to defend uh, for the Red Bulls this Sunday. Hopefully they're able to do that. Yeah, New York will be in Los Angeles, take on the Galaxy and what will be L.A.'s home opener. You know, it's interesting when you look kind of up and down the league 
in in week one, you know, some surprising results, some not surprising results. But I think it, as we talk a little bit about what this second game will be, clearly Red Bull had a lot of question marks with their lineup that will continue into the second week. And I would have said um, going into at least the season opener, you could have said, well, OK, New York's got a lot of questions. What's another team? And I don't think anybody would hesitate to say the Galaxy. You know, you just yeah. referenced it, Greg Vanny coming in from Toronto, taking things over, usually takes a little bit of time to maybe implement what you want. A lot of player uh, turnover there as well. Was really impressed with with the energy that they played with. You talked about it from the side of, of Chitorito, but, but not just him, really everybody. It seemed like it was uh, a, a very dangerous, renewed Galaxy team. And you think of it from the standpoint of, of Major League Soccer as a whole, the Galaxy have been so important to the development of this oh, league. Yeah always one of kind of those those franchises that you look at and turn to. But the last couple of years, even even with um, an Ibrahimovic there to try and kind of balance things out a little bit the last couple of years, it hasn't really gone the way that the Galaxy would want. You would think with Greg Vanny now in charge, um, they could be a pretty dangerous team, not just this season, but clearly moving forward. I think what you're going to see is a better structure uh, to that team uh, under Greg Vanny. I think they're going to, understand their identity and I think that they're they know how they need to play now to have success and I think that's the biggest difference that we saw against you know versus last year under Guillermo Barros Escaloto I mean you, you I think that he understands how he needs to play for his best players to have the best the most success now do I think that that first game against Inter Miami may be a little you know not not maybe exactly telling of what they're going to be. Yes, I do think that Inter-Miami has defensive issues that came to light in that game and, and gave the Galaxy an opportunity. Um, but I do believe that they are going to be a better team than they have been in what we've seen, just from a, from, like you said, from a structure standpoint, right? Just like kind of knowing what they need, how they need to play. I think that, that was just a huge thing. Last year, I think they don't think they really did know how was the best way for them to get on the field and have success. And under Greg Vanny, I expect that to change. Um, but again, it's going to take a little longer to, to make them, you know, a contender for MLS Cup. I don't think that they're there yet. I think that they're heading in the right direction. Uh, but the Red, Bulls, the Red Bulls do have some opportunities in this game this coming Sunday. I mean, I, I do think that they have some defensive issues as well. Um, so. It is a team heading in the right direction, but it's also a team that's still going to take a little time, in my opinion. And we can dance around this a little bit, Steph, and have some fun with it, depending on what um, what what site you follow or what social media you follow. It doesn't appear that the Red Bull roster is 100% complete with some moves yeah. that have been talked about, rumored, and seem to be uh, up and in process. So, uh, you know... I, I Dare I say that as, as some of these guys go into week number two, knowing that there might be some players coming in behind them, um, you know, okay, week one, you take week one for maybe what it is. But now as you get into that second week of the season, you do want to start to see guys emerge as, and, and, you know, Steve and I talked about it a little bit last week on the podcast and even during the broadcast, you like to have a deep roster, right? I think any team would sign for that because you know there's going to be call-ups, there's going to be injuries, so you want to be able to slide guys in and out, midweek games when they come up. But from a coaching perspective, you also want to know these are my best 11 going into a game that we want to make sure that we win. And I'm not sure that at least right now, from a Red Bull perspective, that question can be answered. It can't. Um, and as you mentioned, that the roster's still not complete. And, you know, 
when you're talking about other teams, maybe more veteran teams, you know, you still need that depth just because injuries are going to happen in such a long season. And like you said, so many people, uh, so many players leaving for their national teams. So you you need that depth on every team. But I think that on the Red Bulls and, and the, this Red Bulls roster, it's even more important to have that depth. It's even more important to have more players uh, just because we don't know. Like you said, we don't know who the best 11 is right now. And I think it's going to take a little time to find that. So the more players you have, the more competition you can create uh, with the players that are on the roster. And, and that's what you want, right? I mean, you want guys to fight and win their jobs and emerge and become, you know, become confident in their roles. And I think that the more players they have, the more opportunities they have to be able to, to prove themselves uh, and to show out and prove to coach that they're the best for that spot and part of the best 11 on that team. You know, I think you, I think you said it well, Steph, and it might not have been your exact quote a, a, a couple of minutes ago. Th- this is an audition for a lot of guys because, number one, you got a lot of guys on loan, both long-term and short-term. You've got, um, in certain positions, you've got a lot of guys where you're thinking there could be some roster rotation. But, again, to the point of knowing that this is my best group, um, when you do need to get some points and, and, and you've been around it and you've covered it um, for a long time as well. Nobody wants to get off to a slow start. Nobody wants to look at the first couple of games and whether it's two Western conference teams, you know, sporting Kansas city, the, the West champ last year during the course of the regular season. Now you got to go across the country and take on the galaxy. Nobody wants to, to go the first two games and not get anything out of it. Yes. You'll answer some questions, but in the business of making sure you pick up some points, you get into the playoffs, um, digging yourself an early hole is, is something that no team wants to do. Uh, yeah, absolutely not. I mean, it, 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 like I said, it's a tough task for the, for the Red Bulls, right? The truncated preseason, uh, the games being canceled, not being able to play as many games as definitely we know uh, Coach Struber wanted a lot more, wanted a few more games under his belt before they started, but this is the cards they were dealt, right? So, yeah, you obviously there we're in the business, you know, Coach Struber's in the business of winning, right? He's in the business of winning games uh, or at least getting something out of games. So, yeah, it's a tough situation to be in, play against a Kansas City team that, you know, look, it ends up it ends up being not a great loss because they had, you know, they were missing some of their key pieces. Um, but at the same time, now you got to move on and, and you need to go across the country and try to get something out of this game against the Galaxy. And like I, I was saying on the broadcast, when when they when the Red Bulls were up one nothing, like this – you know, getting points out of this these games is more important to the to a Red Bulls team, uh, to a young Red Bulls team that is still trying to build and, and with so much youth on the team. Getting something out of these games is more important to the Red Bulls, I I feel, uh, than the first two opponents that they have in Kansas City and the Galaxy. Uh, I, I think it is important for them to go out there and try to at least get a point. Uh, I think that that would be a you know, it, it's a, it's a, it would be a draw, but it would be a win in the grand scheme of things that they can go out there and at least get a point in the Galaxy's home opener. And I think that they're going to have a – it's a tough task, but we've seen and we know the talent that's on this team, uh, and they can get it done. Steph, look, let's finish with uh, a, a couple of things here, um, and, and that would be – looking at the lineup for, for what we could expect to see week two, um, changes that maybe Gerhard Struber's thinking about. You know, the, the center back pairing of Aaron Long and Sean Mielis, I thought worked okay the other day against Kansas City. But you've got Amro Tarek, you've got Andreas Reyes, who I'm sure are chomping at the bit to get in the lineup. 
that might be something that we could see some roster uh, rotation and, and turnover. I will readily admit I was surprised that we did not see Cameron Harper figure in to the game at all the other day. So, again, in, in some of these early games, maybe those are some of the spots that we could expect to see some change. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the I, I do think that Yuba kind of earned that spot in central midfield. I think that he will see him again. Um, now, it, it was interesting. You mentioned the center back pairing. Um, I, I thought Aaron Long was just a little bit off his game uh, in that in that first game. I think that we've definitely seen him perform a lot better. Uh, and I expect him to fully, you know, to fully come back and have a great game in this next uh, in this next matchup because you don't see a lot of you know back to back subpar games for from a guy like Aaron Long. I thought Sean Nealis was fantastic in his role. I thought he did very well. And and like you said, though, there are other options and there are other guys that want to get out on the pitch uh, with Tarek and with Reyes as well. Um, Yeah, I was a little shocked not to see Harper. I thought we would have seen Cameron uh, before before seeing Wiki, right? Before seeing Wiki Carmona, I thought that we really would have seen Harper just adding a little bit more uh, speed down the wing a little bit. I mean, we we, we saw him in the D.C. United game come in and have have an impact right away. Um, I do expect that we'll see him uh, in this game. I don't know if he will, you know, he'll start the game because I, I do know that the formation that the coach likes to play, it, you know, maybe doesn't uh, doesn't benefit Harper to start the game. But I do feel like if they need a goal late, if they need some action late, uh, I do expect to see Harper move on to the wing. And when we do see that, we see a little bit of a shift in the formation as well. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see. I don't know what you think, but it'll be interesting to see whether Caden does uh, get deployed into that number 10 role in this game and not kind of a hybrid 8-10 type of thing where, that we saw in the last game. I think that, uh, you know, I think you want to get your your big guy, your main guy into that position, into that spot. Uh, and if it works, you have him being able to create and make plays for others. Steph, let's finish with this one. You know, clearly one of the names that everybody focused on uh, in the offseason was that spot up front with Fabio. And and I think he's a really intriguing guy. You look from a perspective of a player profile, right? I mean, he's 6'4". He fits that target striker mode. Looked like he has pretty good speed uh, between the D.C. game and this one as he works himself to full fitness. And I think from a perspective of, we mentioned before, guys on audition, I mean, clearly that's the case with him because his loan is only good through the end of June with the option to buy. So you, you've got to really impress, I think, and I'm not saying it puts extra pressure on a player because it's their business. They have to perform right. regardless. But, um, you know, is he a guy that come week two, you got some of those week one jitters, you've developed a little bit of maybe uh, chemistry with the guys on the field. Can you put yourself into a position to be a little bit more dangerous? Uh, yeah, it, it- he was he's a really intriguing player like you said right I mean I was watching him a lot obviously in that first game and what I noticed with him is that he is somebody who's a who's a very very hard worker his work rate during the game is is huge he is perfect for the high press he drives some defenders crazy as he's pressing them when they're trying to get out of the back and I think I think that that's really a big part of his game now he doesn't get into the best spot so far uh, to be able to really get good chances on goal. And I think that that's what he needs to do. And at the end of the day, he's a number nine. You know, he needs to score goals. I mean, to be very effective uh, on this team and, and his spot on the pitch, he needs to score. But I think that he understands the system. I think he he kind of welcomes being able to press as much as he does because he, he really doesn't stop working throughout the game. And you see him, he doesn't stop running. Um, he had He did get into a couple of spots where he just – 
couldn't get a good shot off uh, in that first game against Sporting Kansas City. But uh, he's a guy who I think will continue to develop into the game and find his spots. Uh, but as far as doing what Coach Juber wants him to do, he's doing that because he's working very hard. He's pressing very well and, you know, putting some defenders in some tough spots where they're in danger of losing the ball in really dangerous areas. And um, and I think that that's what Coach wants to see from him. He just – he's got to get on the score sheet. When he gets on that score sheet for the first time, I think hopefully I think you'll see the floodgates open. 5.30 kickoff in Los Angeles on Sunday. The cross-country trip for New York will wrap up their Western Conference two games for the entirety of the season. Uh, Stefano Fasaro, our guest here on Red Bulls Weekly. Steph, you are on at 5 o'clock, correct? Let's just make sure we yes. get that out there. 5 o'clock Eastern time on the Red Bulls, uh, Red, New York Red Bulls app, on the New York Red Bulls website. And, uh, and I'll, I'll be tweeting out the link as well. But we are on at 5, 5 p.m. Eastern time for a 5.30 kick. And then we got a, a half-hour post-game show as well. So we're, right. we'll be there ready to go. Looking forward to hearing some goal calls during the course of the week. You have that ability to uh, get that that goal out there. We, we don't really do that on the, on the English side of things. You sound, <laughs> yeah, you, sound like, you sound like a hack a little bit if you try and do it. Uh, but hopefully a successful trip. I appreciate you coming on here and giving us some time. Um, and obviously you and I will be, will be talking – um, on this podcast all during the course of the season. But thanks here for, for talking about this week two matchup with Los Angeles. Absolutely, Matt. It was a pleasure. And uh, let's hope we get a, we leave L.A. with three points this, uh, this Saturday, this Sunday, excuse me. Our thanks, of course, to Gordon Stevenson, who puts it all together. Back each and every week, our Red Bulls Weekly Podcast on the English side of things. Stefano starting at 5 o'clock. Steve Jolly and I will start our coverage on the English side at 4.30 with our hour-long countdown to kickoff pregame show. We'll see you come Sunday with New York in Los Angeles. 